as much as I want to be building Candy Crush, everyone who's ever going to use my product doesn't want to be there. That's it. That's your life as a lawyer. Like nobody wants to be there. Hey, it's the Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. I'm Alexandra. Welcome back for another hang in the laboratory. Uh, thank you for joining us. Special thanks, as always, to our backers who throw us as little as a buck a month to help keep this thing going. Uh, if you want to jump in over there, you can use the button or the link somewhere in the description of our podcast. Um, you heard a third voice, which means this week we got a guest. Uh, Alessandra is the director of court de development at Nori, one of our obviously our favorite projects. I think you're the, you've come back to talk to us the most <laughs> out of anyone here. So so happy to. <laughs> but thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, I guess the, I'll just throw to you to do the kind of you know talk about your involvement with Nori and and what you're doing there and stuff. Yeah, that's fine. Thanks for having me. Really excited. Uh, Nori is on our mission to reverse climate change by helping people to do that. So we're just like this back-end platform that we're hoping to fade into the background, really, um, to allow people to pay for reversing their emissions associated with the purchase of anything, a good, a lift ride, a, you know, integrating Nori's platform for paying for carbon removals into your banking app or your credit card statement. Um, that's always been our long-term goal. And we launched about two and a half years ago. I moved from Southern California to Seattle to start the company with Paul Gamble, Christoph Jaspe, and a couple other co-founders. Um, in December of 2017, Paul Gamble and Christoph were on your podcast before, so it's my turn. Uh, super <laughs> happy and excited to be here. Sweet. Well, yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, I think the coolest thing to the extent that Brian and I try to be pretty good about not retreading things on the podcast. Cause like, look, we already recorded a conversation. We can give you a link to that unless it's not a competent conversation anymore. So, uh -huh. you know, anybody who wants to catch up on the technical stuff uh, or climate change stuff can start all the way back at our episode. What the fuck is what it's, it's called? Uh, climate change. What the fuck is it? <laughs> that leads into the interviews and kind of everything that Nori's working on. Um, so I don't think we need to cover like the technical stuff or kind of even uh, what you guys are working on and the updates and stuff like that. I mean, Phew. if people want to know, it's all on the website, right? <laughs> yeah. um, Not a business conversation today. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like, it's a Sunday for us right now. So like, totally happy to do that. <laughs> oh, totally. Um, yeah. So like, well, I think the place to start is just your story of how you ended up uh, at North. Uh, you know founding co-founding nori <laughs> oh all right so the journey started about 15 years ago and i always feel weird telling my story it feels a little bit like i don't know the egotistical but it's important to me i guess it's like what got me here um i'm from miami florida originally um cuban american and when i was 15 i found out about global warming which we were calling it global warming at the time not climate change and um with global warming comes sea level rise Miami's at sea level. Um, so at the time, there was still talk. There was already talk of uh, beach erosion. And, um, you know, we have a lot of developed land in South Florida where we completely converted wetlands and drained them and put houses, which kind of broke my heart. And 
um, I was just seeing things changing from when I was a kid to when I was 15 in like that short amount of time. Um, and I freaked out. I'm like, okay, wait, so we've been developing all this land. Now the sea is going to come and swallow it. And it was just like, not an aha moment, but an oh fuck moment. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, ever since then, it's just been like a search of how do I, how do I help the environment? I think a couple of years later, I was 17. I was watching the science channel a lot. I was totally nerdy. And there was a professor from Columbia University. His name is Klaus Lackner who um, was talking about direct air capture, which is essentially a technology that can sequester or suck up CO2 from the atmosphere. And he's like, yeah, with one of these machines, he calls them the artificial trees. It can suck up as much as a thousand artificial, a thousand normal trees in the same space. We can put this in New York City's Central Park, et cetera. And I saw that and I'm like, that's it. That's, that's what I want to do. I want to study that. I want to work with that guy. And I applied to Columbia. I got in, which is great. But then I hated the chemistry aspect and I loved thermodynamics. (laughs) So like you, Brian, I also went into thermodynamics and movement of things and energy production, really focused on how to do things sustainably. Um, And then long story short, I like went to uh, grad school in California, um, dropped out of that when I discovered I was an entrepreneur, was kind of Hmm. doing nights and weekend things, looking for the right team and the right idea, always focused on climate change. And, um, I was working there for about three and a half years. And like, after three years of this night's weekends, like going to hackathons, winning hackathons, losing hackathons, like going to networking events, not really finding a right team or idea. Uh, I gave up. And so for like six months, I was just working at Southern California Edison on clean, clean energy grids. And I was like, I'll climb this corporate ladder. But then Paul and Christoph, um, had this idea. Christoph reached out to me. We had been connected before Mm -hmm. with Klaus because Christoph had worked with Klaus and um, I was so effing excited to <laughs> finally find a team. Like, you know, sometimes, right. That works out when you stop looking for it, it comes Yeah, a solid team of bright individuals who um, were willing to put in the work and take the risk to build something that really could help change the world, which was to remove CO2 from the atmosphere, because we can talk all we want about adopting solar or getting clean energy or reducing our emissions and energy efficiency, which is important. First step, emit less, but the second is to remove the rest. And we have to actually remove more than we've emitted. Um, So that's where it came from for me. And I'm actually moving back from Seattle to Miami at the end of this month um, because I need to feel more connected to like my why Um, my family's there, but yeah, it's it's a scary time right now for the world and particularly for Miami, which is my home. And in 15 years, like we could lose a lot of our real estate. It's it's a whole thing. <laughs> Yo, for sure. My parents have property in South Carolina that's at also at sea level. So, uh, yeah. So so the the thing we kind of were jamming about beforehand uh, that we wanted to talk about was kind of this, this human stories side. But I think the place to start before we get to just sort of why stories matter and the real like mm-hmm. meaties engineering stuff, I think, <laughs> is like why what's the point of the stories, I guess, is what I'm trying to ask. Right. Like what if what's what is it that people need to, you know, because like, I mean, it's engineering. We're here just telling stories, you know, about things like how does the climate change actually work, what it's like inside a closed ecosystem, you know, like technical aspects of how this stuff works when you get out there talking about this stuff what you're trying to get people to is the same aha moment that you had 
Mm. Right. And for me, that aha moment is like, Brian explains how this stuff moves through this closed system to me. And then I go, Oh fuck, this is not a sustainable, like this can't, you know, and then, and, and then same thing. And he's, he's able to like lead me by the hand, you know, to go, Oh yeah. Carbon drawdown is the only thing that matters right now. <laughs> like we can't, all of these ways of patching it up are just nice. And then once that happens, you can't, I, I, I at least can't stop seeing the stories everywhere. And mm. so then you start going, oh man, that packet of beef right there is trying to sell me that it's better for the planet. And there's so much misunderstanding and the p fact that they can even present that narrative. And then, and then like we start to work on it, we try to counter it, which results in a lot of people going, well, I don't know, man, just like what, <sighs> what should I actually do? If you're telling me recycling is not enough, because I've been told the three R's the whole <laughs> life, right? Like, I, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that you bring up the recycling example, because as you were talking, I was like, yeah, it drives me nuts when people are, and it doesn't drive me nuts in a mean way, but it, it, it saddens me a little bit when people say, oh, you know, I try to recycle when we're talking about climate change. They're like, oh, I try to do the best that I can. I recycle. And I'm like, that, that literally does not really affect climate change. We're talking about land waste and and local environments, sure, but not climate change. Mm -hmm. But it's a fundamental issue, though, right, Adam? That we we don't know how to communicate. It, it's it's almost like we have a complete divide: people who are working on the solutions, and then the people who are just like contributing to the to the problem. And the people working on the solutions are also contributing to the problem. So it's more like a small little circle inside of a larger one. Um, but if you're not in the smaller circle working on the solutions, you don't really understand what solutions are available to you? Like is recycling important for climate or like, you know, what should I do? Um, but the bigger the gap gets, the worse off we are. And that's why I think, so to answer your question, I think stories matter the most because we are innately hardwired to understand emotions. Mm -hmm. We don't have to think about it. You don't have to teach someone sadness. You don't have to teach someone happiness. Um, it's in us. It's downloaded. Mm -hmm. You'd have to teach someone about recycling and all that. Um, so leading with the thing that is the fundamental like basis of our operating system, I think is important. Otherwise you're starting at a whole nother level. You're talking about calculus and you don't, you haven't even talked to them about, mm -hmm. you know, arithmetic one plus one equals two, which makes sense, but you have to guide them along that path slowly. Yeah. I like how you put that about going, you got to go to the part that's built in first and tell that story and connect emotionally. Um, I, I uh, was volunteering with the Climate Reality Project for a while. Mm. Um, and the meetings are like local chapter meetings. The ones that I really remember the most were the ones where we would have a bunch of new attendees and we would just go around the room and everyone would tell their story about why they're involved, why, how they got here. Um, and man, it was, they were so powerful. I remember being on the verge of tears, like the whole meeting, sometimes like half of it was happy tears. Cause people were telling these like awesome stories of things they're doing and, um, changes they've made. And then some of them, half of them were really sad <laughs> tears and really powerful meetings. And it was the story ones, you know, there's, there were planning ones and, and putting together presentations and structuring the organization. And that's great too. But gosh, those, those ones where we would all share, how we really felt and how it had motivated us um, or dismotivated us a, a lot sometimes too, right? Um, 
those were awesome. Those always like reunited the group and re-energized us to go do the other stuff. Absolutely. I think the interesting thing is when, you know, the thing I was just talking about in terms of storytelling, but more from the marketing standpoint, right? It's like, where does this stuff creep into your, into your, maybe it's just, I'm a product person. I think of everything in terms of users, (laughs) but also, like I said, I'm working on similar stuff in a similar, in, in legal, you have a similar phenomenon because everyone who comes through the door on climate change, if they have had that moment of like, that's why it's an oh fuck moment and not an aha moment because they go, oh no, I'm scared now. Mm-hmm. And so they're already starting in this emotional place of, of th- they're triggered already. <laughs> and they're coming to you and going, what should I do? It's the same with legal stuff. Like as much as I want to be building Candy Crush, everyone who's ever going to use my product doesn't want to be there. That's it. That's your life as a lawyer. Like nobody wants to be there, but that's fine. That's, that's just, you know, so when, so I, depressing. when I think really about de- designing products, it's like literally our employee handbook is like, just remember that anyone you're talking to on our platform is dealing with some of the worst shit they're ever going to deal with. This sucks. Right. So you have to have a lot of leeway for like, this person might shout at you. They might, you know, um, <laughs> But so similarly, you know, when it comes to climate change, the people that are coming and saying, what should I do? You know, they're, they're never mind the calculus layer, right? Like they're already triggered and existing on that emotional layer because they're coming and going, I don't, that sounds bad. I don't want that to happen to me or my children or whatever. So what do I do? Um, Well, that's, I think that's the problem that we've had so far in the, um, Let's, let's, I'm going to try and bake up this analogy in real time. So we're in a boat. You have these people like in a boat, small, decent boat. And you come by and you're like, hey, our boat's sinking. There are some holes. Holy shit. We're <laughs> going to drown. Well, what do we do? And you're just like, I don't know. I'm just You should be aware of this problem. <laughs> and you know what you should do is uh, – radio in the coast guard and tell them to put safer regulations into manufacturing boats so that when you are on a boat in the future it doesn't sink (laughs) of emissions right um and then tell them to come help you with your boat but meanwhile you're taking on water way faster than the go car the coast guard can even get to you but the coast guard still has to be dispatched by someone and like there's all this politics so i'm i'm using the coast guard as an (laughs) analogy for politics and like relying on the governments and corporations to do everything um, for you when you're the one in the boat. Um, And so, and the thing is we're all in this freaking boat and we're all like waiting and relying and trying to lobby different, you know, whether it's governments or corporations to do the right thing. And it's super, super disempowering because there's a lag Mm -hmm. and there's like a, I have to influence and I'm completely losing control of the situation. And so solutions where people are getting more control um, would be helpful. So like giving people buckets, um, whatever it is, we need more of that, but we have to have like, also people have to understand what to do with the bucket. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, and they have to have access to it, like having solar great, but that is a fraction of the people, you know, homeowners who can afford solar or, um, lease solar, what have you. Uh, there's just not enough options. We're just constantly telling people about this bad thing that's happening. Climate change, the boat is sinking, and not really telling them like, oh, here are the tools within your boat that you can use right now today, because they probably don't have any. And that's why 
things like Nori are really important. Well, and when we tell them about the tools, we say, hey, see that fist size hole over there? If everyone puts one finger on it, we'll have enough <laughs> fingers to plug the hole. <gasps> now, now there's a hundred people in your boat going, I, uh, 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 yeah, but I got this other hand. And they're like, sorry, you got to stay there with your finger in the hole. Like, yeah. And the other thing to understand is just like, even if we give everyone a bucket, we're already over the hill on a thing where it's like, everyone's also peeing in the boat or something. <laughs> I mean, like, or drawing at, you know, anyway, it gets complicated as soon as I'm you feeling try to chase it. Right. To this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so, so the thing really is just like, and, and this is what we're trying to do with on the legal front is how can you, how do you recapture that narrative where it's, it, your user exists in a world where they're being marketed to with this fear constantly. Right. So the fear is being triggered everywhere they go all the time. <laughs> and then, and then when they say, well, what should we do? It, it, it I think it's the, you know, part of the key to the way that Nori tells the story when you guys talk about it is, is to sort of disavow all those other things and then say, you know, draw down is what really matters here. We have to fund ways to pull this stuff back out faster than we're putting it in. Cause that's the only way you get the standing water in the boat to, to recede back to where, you know, it's like if the boat's already past a terminal point in how much weight it takes to sink it, it's just going to take a little while, but you know, like, so that's my thing is like, and Brian, I feel like you might have something to say on this one. It's just like, what, how do you, how do you attack that story when yeah. you know that the person standing in front of you is going, I, this is scary, man. I don't know. Tell me something. Totally. I think, I think we've, we've taken the boat analogy to its limit at the moment <laughs> with the uh, For sure. people using For sure. it in the bathroom. But, uh, the back it, in the progression of, of my story, there's kind of the story of how did I get in, in like interested in this space? Uh, how did I come to realize that there was a problem? And then I kind of stopped short of uh, what happened initially, which was I did, I started doing a bunch of reading. And, and again, I was, this is a weird one for me because I'm like intensely interested like academically in how this stuff works. Like it's fun for me to read about power production and like alternative energy and like the engineering side of it, which is probably not true for most people. Um, but at some point I got after like a year of kind of starting to really understand what was going on. I was, uh, like I said earlier, horrified. I, I was like, shoot, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't see a good solution here. This seems, uh, really terrible and, and really realistically and truthfully telling myself, uh, looking at everything, it seems like a really, really, really serious problem. Um, and so I kind of stopped looking and I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm like up, upset and worried all day. Um, and so like six months later, uh, I hadn't really been researching stuff anymore. Uh, I'd still been thinking about stuff. And at some point, I, I don't know exactly why this clicked, but I, I thought, you know, if I just kind of reimagine what's happening and put a positive spin on it, uh, this all completely changes. And I thought to myself, um, this isn't a disaster. This is actually an opportunity. Um, this isn't the end of business. It's the start of like a whole bunch of new businesses. Mm -hmm. This isn't the end of our cities. It's the opportunity to make all of our cities healthier and safer. Um, mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I started being able to, <clears throat> and this is still a struggle because it's easy to be like doom and gloom when I look at things. But when I 
see issues now that stress me out, my, I try to think, how can we turn that into an opportunity? And how can we tell this whole story in the other direction and say, instead of the Australia's on fire and Miami's going to be underwater, what if we say uh, our air will never, never have been cleaner uh, energy production will now not be polluting the ground and the water and the rivers and the skies and the oceans. We're going to make the world the complete opposite of all of the dystopian media that we have been so obsessed with for the last like 20 years in science fiction. And it's the biggest opportunity in history, right? Like it's the biggest business opportunity in history to restructure everything. You can also look at that and say, this is the most challenging thing we've ever faced and we're going to fail. Um, but if you look at how we get through it, um, the story can become this like really brilliant, beautiful vision of the future uh, instead of this scared, I don't know what to do. And it's kind of like you just have to own it and and say, no, it's not a problem. We're doing it, um, which helps when you're doing something, <laughs> um, which for me is not as much as I'd like to. But just talking with people who are running businesses in this space who've been inspired for so long for most of your life. Uh, it's it's empowering. It's really exciting. Um, I just remembered how we met. Nori, it was Gustav. <laughs> Gustav Alstromer. Oh, yeah. Uh, from YC, put us in touch. Uh, so shout out to Gustav. Uh, I thought of that because it, we got a killer episode with him where we talk about all the business opportunity in the space. Mm -hmm. And, and and you know, the idea of, like, that's part of shifting the narrative is to make, the, make people realize it's not, you know, the end of the world. Um, yeah, but but then we still have to close the loop. I completely agree. And I hear what you're saying and I support it. Yet it's again, the, if we're talking about business opportunities, we're still talking to a group of people who are working on the solutions and the vast majority of people who are not, who are just consuming mm -hmm. what it is that we're doing. We still have to like, we have to close that gap. Like we have to educate them or bring mm -hmm. them along for the ride in some way, which is, great that there are podcasts like this that you know and reversing climate change podcasts but even like with rcc or reversing climate change podcast i think we cater to a very specific segment mm -hmm. of people and like i have family again i have family in miami and they all care about climate change but they don't they don't totally understand like mm -hmm. what they can do and like i educate them because like i'm there obviously they're like okay here's this nerdy girl she's gonna tell us about her company and now we know but like there's a lot of people um, who just don't understand or know and can't support in any way. And they just, they're left in the, in the level of despair or like, or I'm going to bury my head in the sand because I don't, they don't even know what kind of hope there is because they're not there in that mentality of like, Oh, I can build a new solution, change business yeah. and transform them, which is pretty sad. So only the really educated people working on the solutions could feel a little bit of hope hmm. if they're not talking to the rest of everybody else mm -hmm. and everybody else is just despondent. So is this, is, is that, are those the stories we need to hear then? Or is it all the people who have like heard of climate change and intermingle it indiscriminately with environmentalism and recycling? We need to like, we need to hear them talk. How do you think of this? How does it make you feel when you see climate change on the news? Um, what, what is it? Do you know what it is? Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know, just one person with one opinion. But yeah, I do. Like, you're you're leaning into something I mentioned earlier, which is, yeah, I want to hear more stories of uh -huh. everyday people. I want to hear stories from 
um, the innovators and entrepreneurs developing solutions to climate change. That is yeah. literally the intro to the reversing <laughs> climate change podcast. Cool. But also like those who are helping people heal, like mm-hmm. spiritually, those who are being healed, like those people who are just working everyday jobs and trying to like feed their families and care about climate change and know it's a thing, but mm-hmm. like that's not something that they can um, necessarily engage with. Well, why is that? If we don't get to that level, if we don't talk to those people, hear their stories, then we'll never be able to discover a solution. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like any business problem. Go to your customers, mm-hmm. talk to them, hear what their problems are. Um, and I think we need to go to our people, hear their stories, and just listen for a good while mm-hmm. and figure out how. Because like in the end, everything is driven by like who we are as people. The businesses we develop, the solutions we create are because people will use them and pay for them, right? Mm -hmm. Because we all have to live. We all have to support ourselves. And the core driver is like human nature. Like this is why entertainment is such a huge industry because we, it's just this wonderful storytelling thing where people can feel like emotionally connected to a story or a person or a character. And it makes tons of money because that is literally the fundamental thing about being a human is wanting to experience and share those experiences mm-hmm. there's, an interesting, <laughs> there's an interesting aspect of the problem with uh climate change that i think is is it's kind of i mean it it's the thing that breaks every analogy basically because uh-huh. it gets it gets really weird when you consider the the fact of the closed system means that every single person on earth is contributing to this problem just by existing right i mean that's how it works in a consumption ecosystem that's closed and that makes it a problem of scale right we're here because there's just so many people that it's turned into this problem where if we can't find a way to solve it that doesn't involve a significant percentage of all of the people then you can't like even if we can do all the corporate things that we want to do to tighten that up the people are still going to keep peopling doing like doing stuff and and so like i think what's interesting about the stories piece of it is like you really get to this thing of i mean that's also how you teach kids stuff is you know you have to start from hey here's this different story of how this stuff works than uh like i was told as a kid which is not entirely true i remember watching like voyage of the mimi and, and worrying about acid rain you know it's like we've had our eyes on this for a while uh mm-hmm. But we're at a point now where it's like you, everyone has to be involved uh, yes. on some level and they have to be involved with the best possible thing that they can be doing because selling me that California cares because they recycle, not enough to solve the problem. You know, yeah. uh, uh, heftier grocery, grocery bags, you know, is one that's, I mean, necessary. That plastic is terrible, but it's not, it's not cruising in the direction of the type of like... What I think, what I guess where I'm trying to catch is like the intersection between what Brian was saying and the place where that narrative always gets me excited in the, in the like Star Trek, the next generation space of just uh-huh. like, if everyone could, this, just this idea of progress, I guess. Um, and like moonshots, which is the thing we talked to Gustav about. And I think we've for sure talked to the Nori guys about it. Like we are in an interesting space where the stories that inspire, uh, me and Brian to do stuff are, you know, they're about like getting humans on the moon and, you know, things that are like really took the cooperation of a lot of people. <laughs> like, uh, 
And so, you know, part of it is, is that part, you know, part of it is, is helping them understand, um, through telling stories. Um, I think there's a, uh, I mean, my, my, my stories are very nerdy and I I'm aware of that, right? My interests are nerdy and <clears throat> a lot of my friends are nerdy and they expect when they hang out with me to like hear technical details about things I've been reading about in, in casual conversation. But, um, there's, uh, I think a really interesting go a little out on a limb here, but, uh, you have an Iron Man mask on your wall on the right of your room and, that whole series of stories when I was a kid was like hidden in the background of society, right? It was nerds in the dark in the basement, reading their comic books and playing their weird games. And um, that has all been brought to light this like fantastic hero vision of the future and those movies. And I don't want to pin everything on like comic books, but um, that stuff's core to our culture now, right? Like every movie is a superhero movie. Like every, every mm. character is, is, has non-human traits that allow them to accomplish things that are bigger than them. And I think that there's like a timing thing in our culture now where uh, people have access to technology in a way that they, they like can't avoid that there's magic in their hands all day with cell phones and computers and video conferencing <clears throat> And everyone's aware of who Iron Man is and these magic powers to save the planet from galaxy destroying uh, monsters. So something has opened up that I think used to not resonate with people, but I think can be captured now and used in a really interesting storytelling way. Like I sometimes think the nerdy stories, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm being too much. But then at the same time, it's like, wait, those those movies are like the nerdiest of movies and they are the biggest selling movies of all time. And so there's some, there's like this, this interesting shift, I think, um, I notice this a lot with, uh, uh, like technology ideas from other people. Um, everyone knows I'm an entrepreneur. And so whenever I'm hanging out, people are like, Hey, I've got this business idea or an app idea. Yeah. And, an app idea when I pitch you. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> I've realized we, we, I'm not the first person to say this, but we live in a world now where everyone expects that we can have anything we can imagine, right? we we can invent anything we can create an app to do anything and that's that's a leap from like time travel i suppose but even that i don't think necessarily seems like an impossibility in the general social consciousness um it's on screen all the time right and people are watching that stuff so like there's this engagement with um futurism and science fiction and uh these fantastic futures uh both good and bad that I feel like can kind of be part of this story now um, and is actually super relevant because it really is like uh, the problem really is like a supervillain 50 years ago <laughs> or 150 years ago started doing something that no one else really noticed or did anything about. And now he's like, pay me my money or I'm going to destroy the planet. Um, so it's the common mythology is in place is what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a <laughs> mythology in place here that I think is really interesting and a grand scale. Uh, that was for sure the insight <laughs> of a media studies major. It's uh, I... it... <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. No, I just I really like what you're saying. Um, so, like I'm here nodding. Um, the the statement that you made about you know we all have this magic in our hands with our phones. True. 
Um, and also we are at a time where we feel like we can do anything, um, build anything to solve any problem. True. Uh, and so, right. How do we harness that? Um, everything that you're saying, how do we harness that to actually fuel um, change, not just solutions, but change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think what you're describing though, is the hero's journey. And that's like as old as any story ever, right. Is the hero's journey. So maybe, I don't know, listening to you, something that sparks uh, the question that comes up to mind for me is, well, how do we engage people with the magic in their hands to feel like they're the heroes mm-hmm. um, and to act like, what are we giving them? Like, mm-hmm. did we tell Spider-Man what kind of powers he has? Like, are we helping him discover them? Like, <laughs> what are we doing about <laughs> that? Those are great questions. Everybody <laughs> needs an elderly wizard, like mentor <laughs> character, you know, that can uh, literally our last episode we were talking about the quirks of wearing a robe and whether that was, <laughs> it was a, a, you know, a worth committing to always having to like pull your sleeves back to talk to people. <laughs> but yeah. So I think, you know, the place that the Nori conversation ended up straying with the rest of the co-founders was, you know, I mean that, that idea of the magic in your hand is really the place where I, I live as a product person and the thing ends up being, okay, well, what, you know, what's even the most low level thing you can do. And so we talked on the other podcasts about, you know, the weird crypto incentivization type things, right? Like the ideas where we could possibly pay you a trickle of money for every time you check in that you recycled some stuff or whatever, right? Hmm. Weird ways of, you know, Brian is literally working on hardware projects to try to do, you know, the, the IOT like sensing side of this stuff, but it's, regardless of what that ends up being, I, I mean, I guess I, I end up sitting around wondering why there aren't apps like this that we, you know, like we kind of talked, I think the first Nori conversation was like a hypothetical about, okay, could we have an app where we could validate that everyone didn't mow their lawn? <laughs> and, you know, and so there, <laughs> and it was like, yeah, I mean, you know, we can imagine it certainly, and you could build the software for it. And then, you know, the idea of the token is you could have a backbone where everybody gets paid for it. Uh, I think what's interesting that you're talking about that we haven't hit so far is also like, you know, it's got to look nice. It's got to be usable. It's got to teach some people why they're doing some things. Like there's, there's a, there's a, there's a. And it has you know, to and, make them feel like a hero. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's the thing. That's the, that's the funny thing with legal stuff. So this is where I'm, I'm jealous of your project versus mine. <laughs> Because your global problem over my global problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, y- you, there are, there are things you can do to be a hero when it comes to climate change. Mm. I get to be like the software I'm building to help people with legal problems. It sort of gets to be a hero if it helps them with the legal problem. But like, there's nobody standing in front of me in the same way where I can say, uh, they're not coming to me with a generalized thing they're afraid of and me to be able to go, awesome, here's this inspiring narrative about how you can get better. They're coming <laughs> to me and going, my landlord is already fucking me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what do I, you know, how do I proactively, it's it's necessarily a, a sort of a weird proactive, reactive version of, you know, the same idea of taking on a big thing and trying to tell these stories. And so, you know, we try to cushion that as much as we can with helping people understand things and explaining how common a lot of these problems are, things like that. Um, 
But to an extent, I'm jealous of the wit. You know, like we try, we talk a lot about legal health and sort of the idea of trying to reframe, you know, the the things that it would be good for people to understand about the legal system. Um, but even there, it's not like you're a hero because you made your family's will. Like you really should, you know. Oh. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think you know, there's, so I a, there's a really where... interesting piece with that, though, Adam. And uh, I kept thinking the whole time you were just talking about your dad and how big a hero he is in all of the work he did. Uh, Adam's dad uh, was a lead paint attorney, um, like on the East Coast and helping people. Um, whose families were devastated by lead paint poisoning uh, his whole career. I and that's so an environmental. That's a, that's a huge hero moment, right? But um, the, the, the like learning from all of this, the learning that I've gotten being involved with, uh, with Juris, with Adam's company, um, is uh, we talk about maybe things day to day to get the business working that don't necessarily sound like hero components, but to find those and understand the, to find those amongst the bigger picture of like, how does a global legal system allow uh, for prosperity in the world? Your mind is opened to what's really going on, right? Like that deep business search that you've done to identify like a starting point for a business model was unattainable without first wrapping your head around the the significance of what any shift in exposing the world to a more stable platform to which it can run itself on uh makes a huge difference right and that's kind of where i keep finding myself with climate stuff as well a lot of i've i've like i consciously recognize that a lot of the things i thought were important and a lot of things that i do uh don't actually make that big a difference and you're caught in that like human conundrum of like well it's not i'm just one person this doesn't really matter but in doing those things i've gotten to the point where like every single thing i do all day now and this sounds horrible to someone who doesn't do this and doesn't like try to have a positive attitude about it but everything i do all day i see the connection now um and and i'm thinking about it and i'm i'm trying to figure out how to adjust behaviors and change my opinions and my actions to bubble up to create the hero opportunity right and and i recognize that i'm not gonna like swoop down in my iron man suit and suck up all the carbon and shoot it off to mars but um the, please do that <laughs> um i would be so stoked if i could fly around in an iron man suit um <laughs> yeah i just watched two of those movies this weekend my wife's out of town and i was just like loving them but um the it's doing these things that it's not about doing the thing it's about changing my mind right it's about changing my story and finding myself in a new story that i've built in my head right like it's putting putting all of my trash in recycling and not in the trash I don't even know if it's going to get recycled anymore right now. Right. But my mindset has shifted. My story has changed. I am in, I'm doing something. Uh, and I, I was paralyzed with fear for a long time as to like what to do. And then I had this like negative feedback loop. So I've now found myself in a new story and the story is still like made up a lot. Right. And it's still unclear where it's going and, and how I tell it and stuff. And it's different all the time, but, uh, it, in telling the story, I'm taking action, kind of, which is yeah. weird. You're taking the action that you can take, which is the interesting 
you know, part of this stuff, which is, which, you know, like when you were talking about that, I was thinking like, literally the reason the mask is up there is to remind me when I feel like maybe I should have just gone to be a lawyer and I could try to replicate the way that dad did it and help people one at a time. But like, you can only help so many people. And my personal understanding is how the magical thing in your hand works and how to talk about it so normal people can understand it. And so that ends up being me and you doing the best that we can to help the problem here because we can possibly reach 100, 1,000 people uh, either with the app that we're building or by talking about it. Uh, uh, you want to talk a little bit about the, the, uh, the, the new podcast you were thinking about? In terms of like, how do you, you know, how do you pull this off? How do you get to the stories? How do you, you know, it's oh, like, Brian and I are just telling our story back and forth at this point, you know? Um, well, um, I can't believe you just called me out like that. I told you I was thinking about this idea, but it's fine. Let's do it. It's going to just jump, like jump head first into this. I've been talking to Take your time, friends. get it right. And we'll put the link in the description when it's ready. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be called People and Planet. Or don't you know how many you know how many podcasts I've spiked that were like I'm I'm like I'm doing this I'm gonna do it, record two episodes and then it never sees the light of day, happens constantly. Uh, well, so that's why I was a little <laughs> hesitant. I was like, why are you calling me out? But the truth is, I've I've um I've messaged a few people, uh, and this is just a theme. So you know, we do the reversing climate change podcast. I'll like share a link or tweet like particular episodes that really excite me. Um, and like, I've been tweeting more about, you know, what is the spiritual aspect or like the more human element? Like, what is it that's stopping us as humans, as a species from evolving? Because whatever that is, that's stopping us from healing our planet and treating our planet more appropriately. Um, so when I tweet those things, I've been getting a lot of responses and, um, this new podcast idea that I came up with maybe three days ago, but I have been very excited about and already started looking at domains and everything. It's called People and Planet. Um, and I've reached out to some of our guests and they're like really excited to share their more human story, which is like, whether it's spiritually or personally, like how, how are we addressing our own evolution as individuals, as communities, as a species, and how is that affecting the way that we treat our planet? So it's just supposed to be a storytelling platform not supposed to be really focused on um, necessarily the like, what do you do? Like, where's my bucket? Where's my tools? I'm going back to the boat <laughs> analogy. Forgive me, Brian. Um, <laughs> but it's supposed to be more of like uh, sharing those stories and listening. And hopefully it's, you know, I'm just going to share it with a few friends and, you know, whoever's on the podcast can share it with their friends. And if it grows, great. If it doesn't, it's just a thing. Sometimes, you know, have you guys ever read that book? Um, uh, I think it's called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. No. Ah, it's fantastic. So Elizabeth Gilbert, she wrote this, uh, she wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Um, but she wrote this other book called Big Magic. And um, it was a beautiful book for me. And she talks about it within the lens of art and um, writers uh, or creatives. But I think it applies to everybody. And the main theme was like, just do the thing because you want to do it. Mm-hmm. She's like, I wrote Eat, Pray, Love just because it was a story that happened. It was a journey I did and it blew up. And that's just a freak of nature. And sometimes it works out that way and sometimes it doesn't. But just keep creating because it's the thing that you were called to do. So this is kind of how I'm thinking about this podcast, which is like, I just want to be able to hear more stories Mm -hmm. and talk about these stories with my friends and the people that 
touched me. And I want it to be from across the board. Like, you know, I was talking to someone on our podcast um, and it was like, yeah, shamans and uh, lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> lawyers too. Um, it was like everyday people too, like CEOs of like big companies, co-founders of startups, just hearing from a humanity, no, no boundaries, no societal barriers. What are our stories with regards to ourselves as individuals, as species, and how is that affecting our planet? I love that vision. Sounds, right? Yeah. I was just going to say, it sounds, you know, engineering enough for us. Well, it's, <laughs> awesome. it, it's funny because this whole episode, I'm like, I'm, my brain wants to keep asking like the technical questions and go down the technical conversation sides. And so trying to stick with the story has been a really interesting exercise for me because um, I really do think that's, that's one of the most important things to be doing right now. There are, there are a lot of really smart technical people who have been like researching this and planning for this and doing the science and presenting the papers and the technologies and the businesses. And we certainly need more of that, but like that is never going to be the primary appeal to uh, the whole world, right? The whole world needs to get behind uh, a story and a narrative and it, it's rooted in these like technical things, but it also is just like, it's just the common story of like good and evil. Uh, and in this case, evil happens to be like a nebulous clear thing that we can't like put in jail, <laughs> right? We just are, it's just there and we just got to deal with it. Um, but the story gets to be the same. Um, and there can still be all these fun hero things. Like it, it is funny when I'm talking about this stuff and, and thinking about, uh, like how do I contribute and how do I make a difference and working on little projects and stuff and having these conversations, I really do get, I do get that like weird buzz of this is, this is like, I'm sa I'm saving the world by having this conversation with my buddy. And yeah. it, there's yeah. like a really fun, there's a fun thing to that. And then I kind of feel guilty. I'm like, wait, that's really stupid. Like you shouldn't feel that way no. about this, but it, it really is exhilarating. And it, I'll have these conversations with friends and we'll both be like excited afterwards. Um, which is strange because you're excited about something that is potentially so, so traumatic. Um, mm -hmm. but that's what the, that's what like the fun of the storytelling can enable here. Um, to your credit, yeah. Brian, that's, that's because of you. Like you, you, you're the reason you're color man on this podcast is because you're just forever stoked about whatever we're talking about. It's impossible to not leave a conversation and go, yeah, okay. All right. The way you explain things. <laughs> um, but like, that's kind of the thing, right? It's like, it's not, it's about human stories, but I think, you know, I hope from a perspective where at least the way we try to, to handle it when we get to the storytelling part of it from the technical piece is like, it doesn't help to be scared of this. I mean, yes, you should be scared. There's a baseline urgency. This has to get, it doesn't help, but like, you should be scared. This has to get handled. Right. But past right. that, like sitting there and going, I don't know what to do. Like, it's not that hard to do a proactive thing and then feel like, okay, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing something. Uh, on some level, it's just that like, you need the, you need people to hear the stories so they can go repeat them to other people on some level of, of like Brian's level of stoke about the thing where, you know, and, and it's worth listening to our series on this stuff because it was really dark for Brian for like, I don't know, eight months. You were just like, it's the end of the world, man. I can't like, and I was like, yeah, we'll get yeah. excited about circuits. And you were like, circuits don't matter. 
<laughs> it was really, it was really hard to get you fired up for the podcast for a while until you found it. And then, you know, since then I've, I've kind of realized the same thing, which is like, yeah, that urgency has to be there, but you can, but it doesn't have to be doom and gloom because the story can be, yeah, but here's the stuff we can do. And here's why that's so exciting. We put people on the moon, like let's figure out how to pull carbon out of the atmosphere. So, okay. Now I'm going to get a little woo woo, right? Um, we, we've gone there. Uh, whoever's still listening to the podcast, they're, they're with it, right? At this point. So yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying, Adam. Um, and yeah, let's be optimistic about the solutions and not be doom and gloom about it. But also maybe we just need to realize this is what we get. Like maybe this is it. Like this is our chance to experience life. And it's about being present in the moment and saying, okay, this is the challenge I've, I'm presented with and not necessarily like you or as an individual, Adam or Brian or Alessandra have to solve climate change. Cause that's definitely something that we all created together and we all got to solve together, but just like being an individual who's then also part of this group, who's contributing to this problem. What is, what are you going to do about it in this one life that you have on planet earth as Brian and Adam? Um, and that's, the joy of it and also the despair but like there's really nothing else other than that mm-hmm. is just to be here and do the best that we can and live good lives that help other people yeah, you kind of have to you have to get to that at some point right because mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of there's a lot going on with uh with climate change that touches on like the philosophical like at the at the edge of science and technology and understanding and this all these like philosophical paradoxes um and how we solve things and and how we got here uh and you're totally right that's that that's that's kind of what feeds the 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 fun of trying to like be part of this i think too right it's like hey i want to make a difference um it's that youthful exuberance that i hope is with me my whole life (laughs) about being able to make a difference you know so um, how do you do that? How, how, what's your legacy? What's, what, what is, what is going to be here in a hundred years for my grandkids? Um, which is the story we hear a lot. Um, but I, I, I would love to hear the answer to that more. You know, I hear this, I'm, I've become like a huge, uh, polit- like hobby political person over the last, like, you can probably guess like three years. Um, and so um, I think about things in context of like political debates a lot these days, but like you hear that language, like what are we leaving for our kids? We've got to think about the future and that's cool, but like do it then think about the future. Mm-hmm. Don't just ask the question, be like, we, we want to have cities that are beautiful and green and full of plants and like food that's super healthy and animals that are happy and pets and living with us. Um, there's what is the vision right what is what is the story we want to tell ourselves into uh into being part of um and that's it's hard in today's various uh climates political climates physical climates whatever um to tell those stories but like we gotta we gotta we gotta what is the moonshot right like what are people supposed to get behind it's it's hard well, it's hard because it's different for everybody. I mean, that's kind of why I think this this brings us nice, neatly back around to, <laughs> to promoting the podcast that doesn't exist yet, as if that were my my job as host here. 
people in common. Uh, but it's like, yeah, but it's like everybody's, everybody's story is going to be different, right? And so part of the problem with people say, well, what can I do that's proactive? It's like, well, recycle. Okay, let's chase that as an answer, right? I don't know that that's the same in Pennsylvania as it is in Maryland, as it is in California. Like Brian said earlier, we don't even know in California if our recycling is getting recycled right now because we found out because of tariffs that they were just shipping it all to China mm-hmm. to not have to deal with it anymore instead of actually recycling it. <laughs> it's about bringing that energy that we've been talking about, but it's also you just you have to go do what you're talking about doing, which is go and get the stories on the ground. Of the, and This is why it gets to politics, because on some level, the solution is so complex that you can't just go, here are the four things for all humanity. It's like, okay, maybe there are four things, but there's also 30 things that are going to be specific to where you live and part of your story of why it matters to you, what you're doing about it, you know, and so on. So good idea. Do it. it. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Maybe I'll have you guys on. You can tell each of your stories. You can tell. uh, We're happy to talk. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for joining us to, you know, talk about all this stuff. Uh, This is great. Thank you so much. This is a pleasure. I'm like a little different than the reversing climate change podcast. And uh, it feels nice. We hope. Totally. We hope. It's great. Um, Great to hear. Where, where can people get you if they want to talk to you on the interwebs? Um, so clean energy girl without an I and girl on Twitter, um, is a good way to reach me. Uh, it's kind of funny because it came out through, um, you know, my involvement in clean energy, solar, et cetera. Uh, and I've been a little bit tied into it cause I do carbon now. And I was like, damn, why did I pick such a specific Twitter <laughs> handle? But now I'm like, Hey, actually now, like if I think about energy in general, like as a person, yeah. it kind of works. Because I want clean energy. Oh, no. This totally. is the whole... Brian can talk about this for three hours. And <laughs> okay, then introduce at the end. We'll have to have you back on for the energy Wait. writ large conversation. Wait. My wife is a yoga therapist and uh, and just deeply philosophical, uh, philosophical and spiritual. And uh, it just it brought such an interesting dynamic to my understanding of this whole space that just has been <laughs> super, super helpful. Um, and it's true. It's, it's all... Energy is everything, right? From philosophical perspective and from like a modern scientific perspective. So that kind of is like the unifying aspect of all this. So definitely bring that into your podcast too. I love it. We'll have to put that episode out with the the Zen circled on the logo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Anyway, thanks for thanks for hanging out. Everyone listening, everybody talking, everybody throwing us as little as a buck a month uh, through the support link in the description. This is Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. I'm Sandra. Take it easy, everybody. They don't know.